you know, anybody who comes into the public eye that's really telling the truth, they, they fucking assassinate them. Yep. Like, I think that just baseline human consciousness is going to misappropriate everything it touches and use it just for the same old shit. And I just think that's just kind of timeless and universal. In any field, like, you have to dig because what's readily available is just to keep keep people comfortable. Inner <laughs> so work you can feel doesn't like a person. pair well with capitalism. That's yeah. the answer. Absolutely. <laughs> the big hormone enneagram. John Lukovich, uh, sexual self pres 45 wing, 458 trifecta. Hi, I'm David Gray, self pres sexual 9 with 1974 trifix. What up, it's Emika, I'm an 8 wing 7, sexual self pres with 854 fixes. Hi, I'm Nancy, I am a self pres social 3 wing 4 with a 369 trifix. If you like our podcast, guys, make sure you go like and subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And if you really like us, you should definitely leave us a review. You know, I haven't finished the live pod, but I, I do kind of like how, Emika, you were saying that it's sort of like a a, a new beginning. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, it made me think of like, man, all right, new beginning, like we've covered so much material. Like what, what can we talk about? Um, and... I don't know. There's something like on the very like periphery of my thinking about something about like, like what is the Enneagram, which I know is super vague, but, um, you know, and and I think a lot of the ways that we talked on the, on the pod about what to expect, um, in terms of like our content is, is kind of cover some of it, but I don't know. There's, there's, for me, there's like the mystical side, which is like inner work and what that means. And, you know, even that like human personality takes this shape or form based on a symbol, you know, or that at least you can symbolize it in such an elegant, beautiful symbol, uh, mm-hmm. human personality. Mm-hmm. But then there's also like difference between this and other systems or what it even means to grow, like all these kind of questions. Yeah. Because the rarity of people actually growing, like how rare that is. Right. And then... Like, I guess, and then that get, turns into, like, a little bit about, like, meaning. Like, what's the, um, all right, so we're, like, stuck in this life. And if growth is something that we aim for, but it's, like, kind of, like, hard and rare. And it's mm-hmm. so, we, we, in a sense, we could only get a little bit of growth, maybe. Um, I'm reading this book that I started when I went to Peru. That Graham Hancock, that guy that's tracing the ancient civilization. And mm-hmm. this yeah. is based on, uh, it's called Heaven's Mirror, and it's got, like, every pair, every uh, page is full of images, so it's it's cool. Like you can see what he's talking about. It's all about all these astronomical alignments with different monuments throughout different periods of time and what they were doing, and um, you know, basically like the meeting of heaven and earth uh, as representing like these these monuments are meant to connect ground and sky, right? And so, mm. and and they did these things over hundreds and hundreds of thousands and thousands of years, and so it's just this like I, one of the things I always look at with these. kinds of deals is man this stuff was so alive for them or so on fire for them or like Mm -hmm. so clear sense of purpose you know that it wasn't just one civilization that was imposing some kind of religious dogma that everybody had to follow it was like many many different societies had 
similarly strong like convictions and <clears throat> it was experientially alive mm-hmm. right yeah and i guess it's kind of like what uh is like w- what's the kind of like equivalent or something you know does that make sense the enneagram yeah or just like our own uh <clears throat> in our own modern like world and way we go about things and we, we try to learn through the enneagram you know like is mm-hmm. it just like oh it's really fascinating or i don't know yeah, I mean, it takes me to, well, like, even the goofy post I did today, you know what I mean, that where there's, um, I don't know if you saw it, John. Um, I think, I, think I, I, I saw you post it, but I didn't read it. I mean, well, again, I'm doing the huh thing, but it's like, it's, I mean, the Enneagram is like this atomic magic living symbol, you know, and there's to, to me, part of what you're saying maybe is to, I don't know, go full bore into that. You know what I mean? The fact that it is this, um, uh, it has a living dynamic to it and it has Mm -hmm. so many different um, angles and represents so many different things. Uh, You know, it is really what Gurdjieff said it was, you know, that it's Mm -hmm. all the libraries of the world right in front of you. Kind Mm -hmm. of. Um, I mean, it, you know, we end up maybe sounding like religious proselytizers or whatever, but I mean, that's whatever. kind of the same vein though. I mean, yeah. that, that's why people go to church on Sundays. They want to hear something. That's um, right. I mean, that's why the Enneagram this this Ian Cronin book blew up so well, because it's, it fits right into that whole um, pursuit that people have of, Hey, if you read the Bible and if you do what it says, then you're going to be this type of person and and so the whole idea of spirituality um and growth it 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 all it seems to be the same the same the same sort of mystical i want to figure out what the purpose of living is and how i can you know get beyond the i don't know the the human instincts to do this this and that and how do i how do i see beyond all that stuff and and, and so that's why people seek out spiritual traditions and yeah. and so I, that's why i think the enneagram has been huge in evangelical or christian circles because it fits real nicely into that whole agenda yeah i mean even the christian evangelical thing or just anything like that um right i mean underlying people are wanting to experience that mystical glow you know mm-hmm. what i mean that yeah. aliveness or something you know what i mean mm-hmm. they think maybe by following a certain set of rules or you know tenets or whatever that they're going to have this kind of experience of uh you know something transcendent meaning like some kind of yeah. purpose and so you might get that kind of sense of purpose and meaning from a church um institution or some people join cults and or right. you know some people turn to typology and it just so happens that the enneagram is the one that cuts the deepest but I mean, all of the different, I think all, all the different typologies are doing a version of that. Um, Michael teachings and fucking MBTI is probably the first one that people get into, but they're all sort of like, in, in my opinion, anyways, sort of like many religions where people are trying to like get to the mm-hmm. other side, get beyond just the mundane existence of being human and find some kind of meaning behind like, oh, this is why I'm this way. And maybe there's more to me than just eating, shitting and fucking. 
Yeah. The evangelical thing always kind of confuses me because to me, it seems like, in a sense, evangelicalism is like incompatible with the Enneagram, given mm-hmm. that it's right. One is like giving you a rule book, and then the other one is like, look inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've just been reflecting on like being in the Gurdjieff work and stuff like that, and like, it's like fucking hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like really hard. And just how asleep we all are and you know like watching other people and you're just like god this is atrocious (laughs) you know oh you you know what one of the uh one of the love lines that came in was actually kind of like related to this someone had asked if the if she had asked if we thought or believed that the enneagram could become a wide widely used tool by society to Mm -hmm. like get beyond like you know to actually develop and So, I mean, I think this thing that we're talking about would be sort of relevant to what she, she was asking. But, I mean, to your point, John, we discovered so much stuff in 2020, last year mm-hmm. that just completely, um, I don't want to say reimagined, but it's just so many new tools at our disposal that are just making yeah. things a lot sharper. And so even doing, from a typing perspective, doing database reviews and going back and looking at some, like, old typings that we've just always just ex- accepted as like you know like bowie and and fucking michael jackson and all these fucking uh fucking legacy typings that no one ever questioned for whatever reason but with like the hex versus attachment under our belt it's like man like maybe before we said something's wrong about this typing but we can't figure out what it is but now we're like this hex versus attachment stuff is like <laughs> yeah that's such a huge deal like we like our four type four list is We've chopped off so many fucking. <laughs> our list is just dwindling down because, <laughs> because now we're like getting really clear um, because of all the things that we've learned in the last year or so, as to what these type, how these type of structures are working because of the you know hex adverse attachment and the object relations. It's becoming extremely clear, you know, as to how to identify and see these type structures. So. Um, yeah, there's a. I mean, why we could just start over because the kind of questions we would be asking, right? Um, the kind of it, it would be a completely different deal yeah. to redo those, uh, you know, type interviews. <clears throat> and even the trifix thing has, you know, we've deepened in that. You know, oh yeah, totally. Part of all of it. I mean, those I mean, have been become more and more clear. You know, cartoons or whatever. <laughs> you know, I think that would be good to like spend like a long series going over the trifix mm-hmm. and really talking about it from like from this attachment hexad point of view of mm-hmm. like you know i was talking to somebody um i was explaining to a client the trifix roast names and because he, he was curious about trifix and i was going through the whole thing about djs and stuff like this and mm-hmm. <laughs> and how like there is this you know like the yeah the the two attachment fixes with the one and the two assertive fixes and blah 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 mm-hmm. like how there's a kind of like the vibe <laughs> there's mm-hmm. a, there's like this attachment to the vibe right and the two three seven these delivering something so like i don't i'd have to listen to those episodes again but we kind of just like briefly covered it but i think that with now we have enough experience with nearly all the tri fixes yeah mm-hmm. that we could say a lot more interesting specific and funny stuff yeah 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 and yeah just how useful it is to um to look at like okay if like how noticeable it is once you get a hex at fix like bermuda is sort of like the baseline 
mm-hmm. and just you know typing people it's just interesting to see how people can now recognize like that baseline this is just it feels normal there's nothing that really stands out once you add a, a one hex at fix it is so loud and noticeable <laughs> it's so like it, it's so loud and noticeable that uh, and then you can get into the um what type of a hex at fix it is and, and what that adds mm-hmm. to the whole mix so yeah you can get really specific as to the trifixes the trifix roast names or the descriptions um when you start looking at the comp um the the mix of hexad and what type of hexad versus attachment is you know showing up in trifix right yeah that'd be really interesting nancy yeah the intro Hi, podcast people. I was late, so I have to do the intro now. It's my punishment. <laughs> and I hate I hate it. Welcome to our love lines. Here's the guys. <laughs> buy buy John's book. Uh and give it I got I just broke a uh, hundred uh reviews and ratings. So if you could please increase my numbers, positive or negative, uh, and buy my book, please. S- sales are still holding steady for you. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, yeah, <laughs> surprisingly, yeah. <laughs> That's good. And, uh, oh, I'll just say this, because I announced it on the last, uh, the live pod. Um, oh, which you should watch on YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. You want to see how our uncomfortable faces. we are in our bodies. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm working on a, I'm, I've done a couple episodes, haven't published it yet, of uh, a new podcast with my friend Kara. Uh, called the blind spot and it's going to be about like interviewing people about their blind spot and all the suffering it creates <laughs> so john is cheating on us with another podcast I yeah i'm just gonna say i feel slight bit of jealousy to that and i don't appreciate it we're not open to polyamory she's another podcast three relationships also. i <laughs> very don't pot, appreciate pod promiscuous yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. well i mean you guys open things up with dark arts so you oh know, it just <laughs> the family is expanding <laughs> Called in- out. Incest it's, is it's everywhere. We cheated first, I guess. <laughs> polyamory. Which, right. which, by the way, uh, speaking of dark arts, learn how to type with Dark Arts Academy. That's our, that's our new ad. Learn how to type with Dark Arts Academy. Um, and everyone is aware that there's this uh, Johnny Deb Amber Heard case going on. So we did a couple classes on Johnny Deb and Amber Heard. Great, entertaining. She's an amazing human being. You'll you'll love watching her. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so they're both fucking such trainer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. Um, I think at some point I, I want to have a deeper conversation. Probably have the guys on to talk about uh, why typing. I think I had a couple people ask in the group like why why they should be interested in watching typing classes and you know the value of learning how to type. And I think you know a quick summary of that for me at least is just like. The work that we do when people come to us to try to understand their type and to try to catch themselves doing their type, that we're able to do that because we have spent a lot of time practicing identifying types that they're showing up in people. And so this whole thing that you're able to do with yourself to see yourself doing your own type, it's essentially the same thing that you have to do when you're typing mm. someone. And so that ability to say, you know, this behavior and this pattern and, and you know, this thing that you've, you've been exhibiting, to see it in yourself and to see it in other people, you have to work the same muscle when you're learning how to see these types. And that's also a really great way to learn how to learn an Enneagram. Like, what is frustration? What is rejection? Mm-hmm. And what, how, what does that actually mean in a real person? 
So that's what we do. That's what we're doing with Dark Arts Academy. It's just it's you're learning these concepts on this pod or on our websites, but how do you actually apply it in real life in real time? So that's what you can do at Dark Arts Academy. So go to anygrammar.com. It's only nineteen bucks a month. You can cancel any time. Uh, learn how to type. We might do an episode with me. And yes, Joseph. Yeah, to talk about why cool. typing is important. But yeah, uh, buy David's Trifix booklet. Mm-hmm. And then yes. um, I'm I'm floating the idea of starting a like a um, like a study group with my book, like oh, that I might just you idea. know like just we like read a chapter together and then we talk about the inner work ideas and I might be like pay like 10 or 15 bucks to get in or something like that. That's a great idea. Uh, so I, I'll figure that out and I'll post it about it in the group. Is that like essentially the starting point for the school idea or is that just different? I, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds fancier when you say I'm starting an Enneagram school. Dun, dun, dun. I'm starting an Enneagram school guys. <laughs> no, that is something I'm interested in and, um, yeah, I, you know, to, I guess to to riff off of what you're saying, Emika, about the importance of typing, you know, that's a really important skill, and because it it really gets you clear with what the energies or qualities or you know facets of a type mm-hmm. are, what the what the ego is and what it's doing, and what people are doing, what you're doing in every moment, and mm-hmm. you know, I think that with the internet being what it is. Um, uh, you know, there's like plenty of information out there and a lot of it is not very good, but there's a lot of information and then there's a lot of good information that I, in a biased way, think is kind of under our umbrella <laughs> out there um, <laughs> and more to come. But uh, there's not a lot like like the Enneagram Institute is not really doing anything. And they were the one like school that I would recommend people get certified with. And they're not really doing anything. And I, I, I you know, certification, I don't know. What is that? I don't even fucking know. But right. I feel like um feel like there needs to be a, a place where uh people can develop the skills they need to teach the Enneagram, not just in terms of information, but in terms of what that means and represents in an inner sense. And then also what I'd call Enneagram facilitation, which is like how to work with people with the Enneagram, which is different mm-hmm. skill than teaching it. And what is, you know, and both require one to do one's own inner work and so yeah i'm i'm flo- i'm thinking about that idea and we'll see where it goes but and and there needs to be uh some other institution you know that develops over the years yeah. that's different from iea all that right and that whole mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. and that world yeah. right yeah yeah i mean we're i guess we've essentially created a decentralized enneagram universe and so there needs to be a, a structured school part of that and john you're the only one <laughs> you're you're the guy <laughs> <laughs> thank you you're the one who's got to do it but uh so yeah we're doing love line and i think when we did the the live pod one of the questions that that was left over that i thought was was worth addressing is um are we going to do more video pods and people really responded well to it and you know it's sort of like the podcast standard and it's just one of those things where it's just going to take some time to be able to where I can get to a point where I can consistently produce something like that. But I think one, every time we meet up, we can do one of those and maybe we can do video pods where we're like, you know, uh, you know, you just even remotely, we're still seeing ourselves video and we can do that like every other month or something like that, just to eventually get to a point where um, this pod is, has a video component 
But down the line, it's probably going to be one of those premium subscriber things. <laughs> I was going to say, all the podcasts I listen to, you have to subscribe to see them. Yes. So that's, that's you know, it might take a year to get there, but I, I, I will eventually figure out how to produce a weekly video version of this thing. And uh, those of you who care enough will get to See your subscribe. cold, dead eyes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> the evil that lurks <laughs> but anyway yeah the the we were having a little conversation about like the enneagram is a developmental tool and uh so somebody sent in a love line that's sort of asking a question that was sort of uh covering that so we can continue that conversation let me play it hi this is sarah and i'm calling from new york I, this is a question that's been on my mind ever since discovering the Enneagram, and I'd be interested to hear how y'all think, like, this incredible tool could be understood and used widely, because the power that it holds beyond, you know, the individual typing and, and everything, it's just unending, but, you know, above anything, it highlights the inherent strength and diversity and difference rather than in modern-day societies like the United States where one or two ways of being are seen as dominant and everyone is fighting each other for those. Um, so anyway, just thinking about how you guys see this more long-term, more macro. Thanks so much for this podcast. It's great. She said she was... Who's that in New York? She says she's from New York. Do you know who that is? What's, what's her name? Sarah. Sarah. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Um, but yeah, her question was just like, how, how do we see the Enneagram long-term macro uh, as a developmental tool for society? I think we're sort of talking about that. Uh, I mean, I think that like, you know, when, if and when Jesus Christ uh, <laughs> was around, people were like, wow, this would be really great if everybody just like, this is going to save everybody. <laughs> and, and then yeah. it's just and like... And then it fucked the whole world over. It's the Inquisition in the United States of America, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that just baseline human consciousness is going to misappropriate everything it touches and use it just for the same old shit. And I just think that's just kind of timeless and universal where it's like, we use, you know, I don't know. I just don't see, I don't see, I, I think it help individuals, but I don't have a lot of hope in terms of uplifting the world. Yeah, I think uh, our friend Josh, who, is a lot of uh, his social three who's who wants to take the enneagram as a developmental tool as and you know blast it to the world, and so he has a lot of hope that this can really um, like the real enneagram, not the watered down enneagram, can be something that people would be open to receiving. And I disagree with that because I think the enneagram inherently is cutting so deep that you know anybody comes into the public eye that's really telling the truth they they fucking assassinate them yep like people don't want to grow like that they don't want to change to that degree so with the things that become popular tend to be watered down and they tend to be things that just affirm people's comfort zones and so the enneagram is really uncomfortable and we've seen this over the last five years of running this group and all the stuff that we've done, like how often people really do want to grow and have the intention to grow. But when, when they're confronted with themselves and their shadows, 
Like, they get fucked up, and, you know, everyone has their shock and horror reactions, and this happens over and over and over again. And that's how strong, how powerful the Enneagram is. And so I think if you're not watering this stuff down, I don't really believe that it's going to be this mainstream hit. I don't think that's possible, but I think it's one of those things where um, when people are looking for something powerful like that, like it's, it, it, it would be cool that if, if it was readily available uh, for people who are seeking an experience like that. Mm. But I still think that it's always going to be the minority, just like in every other field. If you really want to find out the truth in any field, like you have to dig because what's readily available is stuff to just to keep, keep people comfortable. Right. I mean, I think that, <laughs> like, I don't know if anybody listening has seen, um, like, Sherwin-Williams, that paint company, has, like, I'll see it get posted in Facebook groups every now and then, but it's, like, Sherwin-William uh, paint swatch uh, combinations by Enneagram type. Really? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and they're also all objectively the, the worst. turquoise? Most- I can't remember, but they're all like fucking horrible. Like they're the worst taste. Like, ugly pastel crap. Hideous. <laughs> beige. Cosmic yeah. beige. Cosmic latte and uh <laughs> but like like lavender purple, like but uh if you I don't know, poured you know, urine into it and mixed it around. <laughs> you know, it's like that color. So it's just horrible. But you know, I think it'll just be like how do you like how to give the algorithm more control and power and mm-hmm. you know like what do you you know just yeah how to manipulate votes and how to like i don't know make more people okay with uh i don't know the how to sell more shit yeah that's that's i almost tagged you john in a really shitty um enneagram instagram post (laughs) like and they were like uh what each type avoids and fours was feeling unwelcome (laughs) oh yeah yeah, totally. Feeling like un, Feeling unaccepted and unwelcomed. And someone literally commented on it and they were like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I was like, even Instagram idiots get this one. Yeah, amazing what people want to just like post and just be like, yeah, this is it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Just, it's been weird just watching the, the commercialization of the Enneagram, it, just like people trying to sell products based on the Enneagram because it's popping right now. Right. And I mean, how do you sell products when you're really getting deep as to like, oh, here, here's a, here's a, a fucking blanket because uh, I don't feel like I exist and I don't feel like well, I, my words matter. Yeah. <laughs> that's the that's in, the way to do word. it. For, for the nine shop, we'll have blankets for those, you know, like weighted blankets or whatever. Inner so work you can feel like a person. Pair well with capitalism. That's the yeah. answer. Yeah. Absolutely. Now there, somebody sent me uh, a friend from college sent me pictures at like some Barnes and Nobles or some kind of store like that um, that has scented candles based on enneagram type. Mm. You know, I knew just, someone was gonna do it. I was waiting for it. Just t- terrible. <laughs> Alexander thought it'd be funny to like figure out if there's a way to print our faces on one of those like votive candles. You know, like that, mm-hmm. like those like, like a uh, yeah, like those, uh, those Catholic uh, yeah candles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you get at the grocery store, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only way I would, I, I was thinking about starting like a trolled store of, you know, just mocking the this all this commercialization of stuff, but have it like be for real, like for like the real. If you're gonna do a blanket for nine, do it like the nothingness of existence and, and just <laughs> <laughs> real dark stuff. <laughs> That'd be amazing. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, like I don't know. Get um, I can't even think of other products, but yeah, nine would be the easiest. <laughs> to make Blankets and throw pillows for nine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a fun project just to have like products that uh, could people could buy because they're they're just looking for shit to buy, but it's like actually hitting on some real stuff <laughs> that that people make people really uncomfortable. Yeah, like I don't know something. There needs to be some sort of uh, like focusing stress to charger thing for six or something. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Like yeah, when your yeah. mind's popping off, just like squeeze this stress thing. You know, something like that. <laughs> yeah, and then when you squeeze it, it says, "Shut the fuck up." <laughs> <laughs> it unleashes like a tranquilizing for gas. Yeah. For four is a t-shirt that says, "If you think I don't like you, I don't." <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this person, this next one, this person sent in a question about attachment styles. I don't think we are necessarily going to have an answer, but it's just, you know. Hi, my name is Hannah. I am an Enneagram type one with a two wing. My trifix is one, four, five. I'm calling because I listened to your episode on attachment. And I am just curious. I know that you guys don't necessarily like to talk about specific psychological theories um but i recently was reading a researcher talking about attachment theory and different enneagram numbers and in that process even well even before that process i realized that i had a a disorganized attachment style which is basically someone that has both of the core woundings um and i'm curious how that might play into the relational type versus the hexed type, because I feel like I identify with both of them. I feel like I'm, um, and I don't know if this has to do with the one just kind of being like really caring about balance and order. And, um, but I feel like I'm, I have a very strong sense of self and I know who I am. And that is undeniable. When you meet me, there is not a sense of at all of needing to impress you. And at the same time, I care a lot about community and I care a lot about us getting along and I care a lot about meeting people halfway. And I feel like um, both, I'm constantly triggered by both sides. Um, I'm very uh, triggered by people who I perceive to be manipulative, uh, these like relational types. It's like, I'm going to, you know, I have your back, you do mine. I'm like, I didn't sign a social contract. Like, just because you did good to me one time doesn't mean I owe you nothing. Um, and then the, the inverse is also true. I have a very hard time working with people that are just so stubbornly always right and so inflexible and can never meet in the middle. I feel like I'm a really good mediator when it comes to, um, you know, these, these two extremes and, and typings. Um, and so I just wanted to know, um, it seems like most of the ones I know are, are kind of, uh, we're kind of both. And I, I don't know if that's a unique thing to the one. Or if this has to do more with um, attachment theory, us having both, many of us having um, both core woundings. Anyways, I just wanted to know what your thoughts on that were. Um, anyways, thanks for what you guys do. Appreciate it. All right. So uh, you just described type nine to a T. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, everything she was, everything she was saying there, uh, describing her, I mean, I guess the thing that I want to say or mention or address that she said that she doesn't relate to being an attachment type because she has a really strong sense of self. 
and you know that's not that's not <laughs> it's not saying that attachment types don't have a strong sense of self but everything else that she described like i want to meet people halfway and i, I really care about that's, mediating that's that's what that's you know at the core of what attachment is what were you gonna say nancy i was just gonna say i feel like that's not a very one thing to say but you know. no that's that's not a very <clears throat> that's just my little say. opinion over here yeah i mean all right so i had a hard time discern which she taught she was talking about attachment theory well she and then she, was, she went into yeah i yeah, kind of had lost the thread yeah. well the thread oh, was it it's almost lost in the attachment she Bye. said that yes the attachment theory that she discovered the that nine? she was a disorganized mm-hmm. attachment mm-hmm. theory and so so she's kind of has both, and so she she said that because of that, she's wondering uh, what we think of someone who relates to both the hexad and the attachment, um, because you know she's doing both in the attachment theory and what, and she relates oh, to I doing see. both okay. in the hexad versus attachment, and she feels like a lot of type ones relate to both of trying to meet people halfway, but also knowing their position. I'm like, I mean, basically what she's describing is not one; it's not hexad. Yeah. Uh, that's that's attachment well and so you know in giving her the benefit of the doubt like if she's like let's just you know she doesn't it's not it's not sounding one but like all right let's say it's one um you know i think that it's like if you are one then you're probably overestimating how much you're willing to meet people halfway Mm -hmm. right right like that might be a value of like I meet people halfway and other people are like oh this girl is not <laughs> like, right. like, this, like she's not flexible at all yeah now right. she's deciding this is time to meet halfway <laughs> right like now is the time but like so one of the things about um, you know I've been thinking about one-ishness lately and uh, you know one of the things about one is that I think most ones and one fixers do have some sense of caring about good but a lot of what how one functions is not really about actually being good or not it's kind of right. like how you justify your agenda right and so if you're a one or you got a one wing or whatever it might be um just be mindful and watch that your sense of whatever you think you're doing is more about justifying just the way you are. I'm not saying anything's necessarily wrong with the way you're doing anything. But if you're needing a lot of, like, if there's a lot of irritation being generated and there's a lot of, yeah, like, oh, I'm doing it this way and this should, you know, I want to meet people halfway and this is how they should meet each other halfway. But I'm also <laughs> doing my position here. Like, there's right. a lot of irritation in the direction. And so just just be mindful of what you might be whatever whatever however oneishness plays in your personality how you might be trying to um simply justify the way you are rather than unpacking different layers underneath what and why you're irritated or why you need certain circumstances to be met in a certain way do you know does that make sense what i'm saying yeah it's like uh yeah it's like i i've noticed uh, a lot of one fixers just like it's it's not like the one gives you one in your personality gives you an automatic sense of being good. You know? it's no, like, no, 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 right? like no. Knowing, knowing already how it should go, already knowing the sense of alignment for like this this is the way it should be. And and then like a lot of um speaking to one's behaviors and one's decision making according to um like an appeal to this is how it should go because it's like this because this is the thing. 
and so just be mindful of that. Like, and I think all all people that have one component need to be just be mindful of that aspect of oneishness where there might even feel like it's a serving goodness or something like that, but just be really, uh, really skeptical. Now I, I'm kind of lose like I, last week, Kara, who I'm going to do the podcast with did like a whole breakdown with me over attachment theory. Mm-hmm. And I still don't feel like I have enough, you know, it's fl- it floats around and people use it all over the place, but I still don't feel like I have enough competency with it. Right. To talk about it in a very deep way. But I remember she talked about like, a, like, Secure, which is kind of the baseline that most people don't have, anxious, uh, avoidant, and then disorganized. Mm-hmm. To me, like people will try to like type themselves in that system, and I think everybody's got a little bit of all of it. I th- I'm sure some people are far more one than the other, but um, I kind of didn't quite. I thought that's what this 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 caller was talking about. Is that what she was talking about? Like attachment? No, no, theory? no. She was well, referencing it to sort of talk about attachment versus hexad. Yeah, she's referencing she's, disorganized, saying that she's disorganized, which is sort of like oh. the average, which is like, you know, what a, like, I'm a little bit of both. And she's referencing that to say uh, she's, she f- relates to hex adverse and attachment. But I think it would be a good call we could do. We could do a call on attachment theory. Was yeah. part of the implication that disorganized would, um, if she is a one, would make her more attachment-y? Yes. Because she'd have some, yeah. Because the disorganized attachment one is like the the kind of real fucked up one. Yeah, I'm not even sure what it does. Disorganized <laughs> no. attachment, my understanding is like, if you suffered like real trauma or real fucked up situations, you're there's like a, a a real potential to like have a very dysregulated nervous system and act out in kind of like ways that you need a lot of um, a lot of stability or a lot of pe- like a lot of competency in dealing with reactions you might have because. That it was so erratic when you were a kid that it's mm. like your nervous system doesn't know how to regulate, and so like I mean maybe like a like, I I don't really know this person I don't know this person at all other than what she said about herself, so I don't know you know I don't know shit about all that stuff, but I, I am leaning toward nine even just because of I had a hard time following the thread. <laughs> of the well, question. just you know integrating, being feeling relating to being a mediator. I, I think uh, a lot of ones, uh, one might say that, but in reality, ones are pretty. Um, you know, I think in any enneagram, there's a lot of uh, goodness put on type one. Like you know, they they have good intentions, but ones can be pretty harsh and yeah, pretty <laughs> can be pretty big assholes. And like knowing already how things should go, that cert- that gut level uh, certainty. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pretty abrasive, so it's, <clears throat> it doesn't necessarily. Go ahead. It, it's in a way, it's like more black and white than eight is. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because it's more invested in the outcome yeah. <laughs> than eight is. Another another thing that this, this was uh, making me think of was you know like when we started unpacking this attachment versus hex ed thing, a lot of twos were like, "Oh, but I'm." Mm-hmm. I'm very, you know, like <laughs> adaptable and uh, really like I just try to meet people where they are and stuff like this. And yeah. <laughs> and so like let's say this caller actually is a one wing two mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, you know, that was something that that we also had to find language for to just mm-hmm. to articulate for the twos that were like, oh, I'm attachmenty, but like, I'm clearly a two. <laughs> They're not. Yeah, clearly and it's not. like <laughs> the two, just like the one, really has an agenda. And they don't actually, they think they're, they're, do, they're listening to other person yeah. and they think they're a good listener and they think that listening is important to them. 
And often they're not doing a very good job of listening at all. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so there's no adapting, you know, like there's like yeah. in that way that attachment types are, are genuinely adapting and adjusting their sense of self to you. Ones and twos are not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is that sense of listening. I think that was one of the, on one of the calls with uh, Courtney, uh, like attachment types taking in and actually listening because part of what, attachment is doing is trying to find you know the midpoint between my, my position and yours and even as i'm trying to figure out what my position is as we're you know trying to align in some kind of way mm-hmm. and <clears throat> not to say that attachment types are better listeners but it's like the starting point is from i'm going to try to meet you halfway whereas the hexad starting point is is my position and then you know hexad types will might eventually um, because they've already assumed that your position is my position, they can end up adapting. So you can end up in the same, you know, you start from different points and maybe end up in the same place. Whereas it's like attachment types are not aware of them having a really solid position, but they eventually reveal that, yes, this is actually my location after I feel secure in, in the attachment. Whereas, you know, hexat types might start off like, this is my location. Uh, but I'll end up adapting to you because I've decided that now you are part of my location. So it's just a different way of going about it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I do think hexad types have, they think they're much more flexible than they are. Right. <laughs> yes. And I think, that, I think that attachment types think they're a lot more solid than they are. You know? Right, right. Yep. Uh, like the, the, the adapting or listening of the, the attachment types is very unconscious. It's like, mm-hmm. I mean... Uh, you know, talking with Alexandra and just like, just, yeah, talking with what our like perspectives have been throughout our lives and stuff like this, just there's this immediate sense uh, that was unconscious, but it was just sort of like, like, I, like halfway is, is the starting point. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like there's, there's just this like, whoa, and I can, I can like consult with my own, I can find a position, you know, it's like. It's like so immediate. It's so much like it already has to be halfway there. Um, if that makes any sense, you know, it's yeah. like at least from my point of view, I'm like, you're starting out way, way down the down the pike in terms of, <laughs> in terms of where you're meeting somebody. Like, start with yourself, and then right. you, you know. <laughs> okay. Uh, this next couple of ones are just people giving us props. Okay. What I really appreciate about the Think Hormone. Enneagram podcast is the way you all really integrate different facets of the Enneagram theory into understanding the type. You you really you really try to t- tie different threads together, and that's great. I also like that you are keeping it real and honest. Uh, maybe sometimes overly negative, but nonetheless very real and forthright. And I really appreciate your irreverence, and I appreciate your work. And so please keep it up. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, I feel like I you. recognize that voice, but I can't remember who it is. Yeah. I don't know who that is either. All right. Here's another one. Hi, this is Sam. I just want to say uh, thanks for your show. I've listened to and learned a lot of different from a lot of different Enneagram resources, but what you guys are doing is really special. Through these conversations, which are the fruit and harvest of your own inner work, you guys are rewriting the book beneath our feet. Thanks so much. Listening to this show and learning alongside you guys is a thrill. Thank you. 
Cool. Aw. Right? Yeah. Thanks. These are some leftover ones from the 100th episode. They were, you know, we had so many. But, um, but yeah. Uh, I'd want to ask uh, listeners if there's more that they're, like, like what they're hungry or thirsty for, you know? Just, mm-hmm. like, yeah. I think yeah. sometimes we can feel, um, I don't know, like, oh, we've talked about that. It's not interesting anymore or something like that. Right, so right. Just, uh, you know, whatever people have been curious about or listening to or, yeah, want to hear more about or, you know, not just necessarily specific questions but topics. I know people get nervous about submitting stuff. But, yeah, and, and also, like, I mean, even new kind of features. Like, one thing that Alexander and I were thinking about doing was recording a couple, like, a, a relationship mm-hmm. kind of kind of mm-hmm. spiel. Like, things about yeah. relationships and have people call in about it. So. Um, I know people said that they wanted to hear more about, you know, not not a four, but just more about four. And I think you floated this idea of doing a series because we've done like all these not a series, and we could do a you're a you're a six series or you're a nine series, and so we could do a you're mm. a four series. So mm-hmm. just like to actually talk about, um, you know, our own BHE sort of description of what those types really are, instead of just sort of de- debunking the bad information, yeah. like focusing on what it actually is. So that could be a series that we could do or a way to That's sort really of reapproach uh, the types without doing interviews or maybe we could still do interviews, but like do like an introduction to all the types based on everything we've learned. Yeah. And I would definitely like to do just like more interviews because I don't know, I think it'd be interesting. I think it'd be, you know, like I said, what we were just saying about ones and twos, having this perspective of being more flexible than they are. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. kind of being able to call a one or a two or whatever out on it while right. <laughs> while we're right. talking about it, and right. you know, because like I think that's one of the uh, that's 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 pinging some stuff for me because like you know I was thinking if I was to write another book I might just write a like more like an intro or like a kind of entry level book, right. mm-hmm. but covering a lot you know and covering it from our perspective and uh, you know, one of the things that I think would be really important to have was be how the type sees themselves versus how the people see the type. Mm-hmm. Because people see the C nines as very uh, easygoing and calm and and whatever, and a lot of nines see themselves as chaotic and tumultuous and right. you know moody and stuff. And so, what's going on there? Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I think it'd be mm-hmm. fun to like unpack the self image of everybody as each type. While we're talking about what's actually going on for them, and also, uh, I thought of, I, well, at least it was interesting to me just the format of the Bermuda Zone with Nancy, Courtney, and Alexandra, uh, because that was sort of like uh, the idea of having a set of predetermined questions, and then it's just a, it's just a heroin drip of those types there. And I think Courtney had yeah. asked for a social hexat call, and I already have the people in mind. To do something like that, I thought I think it would be really cool to explore some of these type combinations, like a social blind attachment call mm-hmm. would be really cool. Just to, I just want to see what would happen if just yeah. just social blind attachment types on a call. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot of different things we could try. Um, of course, just commenting on social commentary is also so- something that people enjoy. Um, I don't know if we wanted to do a, a an episode on that Johnny Depp Amber Heard thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, I mean. You, I'd definitely be interested because, I mean, there's different facets of it. Like, mm-hmm. there's them. Yeah. And then, I mean, I was really, um, a lot of shit came up for me. Like, I think yeah. I told you all about the histrionic and borderline stuff. Right. Um, which is, you know, not even about those 
two figures. It's just like the, the just the, the psychologist so well defining them mm-hmm. under scrutiny. Um, I don't know that that brought up some stuff for me. And so anyway, yeah, you don't want to seem like you're supporting, uh, you know, because it's it's a it's they're a pretty heated topic. Yeah, they're both fucked up people. Yeah, you don't want to seem like Johnny Depp is far more likable than she is, and she probably did make. A lot of stuff up, but you don't want to make it about that. But if people are interested in this topic, it's probably the most interesting, most trending topic um, for the last month, and and so we could do an episode on it and sort of explore some of the dynamics. Yeah, yeah, and get our get our social nine involved who's been watching like the fucking oh, yeah. whole trial because <laughs> <laughs> it's very important. Types, disgusting. Yeah, pugnant. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. There's a lot of directions we can go. It's just. Getting back in the swing of things the last couple months, we've just all been busy with life. Yes. Yeah.